It's lights out tonight on 11, what, November 8th for the RLR podcast. We've got another great lineup of topics for you guys today. I'm Matt, that's Nick, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about today, so let's get straight into it. We're going to first hit uh, Recharge, I guess. Nick, you want to lead us off there? Yeah, I'll I'll lead us off tonight. So, uh, big congratulations goes out to Chase Elliott. He's the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series champion. He worked yep. hard for it this season, and uh, I know definitely you're you're more the NASCAR fan than I am, but uh, he definitely a well deserved win and uh, a well deserved yep. champion. I would, <laughs> no, I wouldn't add anything to that. Yep, <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> I I, I want to talk about something real quick here, and you know, kind of if you, you know, review uh, the previous week was uh, Toyota's comments on Tesla, and uh, that is not Toyota, the car maker. Toyota, the I believe current president of Toyota, he said something interesting about Tesla that will I think amounts to I might be butchering it, but that Tesla's got a great recipe, but they don't have a cook, they don't have a kitchen or a or, or a, a good cook, something along those lines. Basically, from, you know. Yeah, from what I read, it was Toyota was saying that. Tesla does have a good recipe, but they the things that they're lacking are a cook and a kitchen. Yeah, something like that. Essentially meaning, you know, they're not they, they've got a a good I would say a good product or, or maybe some lineups lineup of product, but they're not a real car company. And I don't necessarily think I agree with that. I, I think you know, the I think the um what was it? The uh what the, I don't know, the, the market cap for, for Tesla compared, you know, is far, I think, what, they're the most valuable. They're they're the most yeah. valuable car, uh, electric car manufacturer in the market right he, now. At, he uh, made a good, aren't they the most valuable quote-unquote car company? Though? I believe so, because like, I believe their market cap's at 400, was it 400, how? Uh, 400 something billion or something like that? Million? I don't even know. I don't pay much attention to the worth of car companies, but I think it was interesting because he made good comments in that you know they they possibly have a lot to learn with the selling of full electric cars and even software because Tesla I think is like the Apple of you know cars where they have these really expensive you know polished products and you know lots of software updates and cool things you know but I don't think I could have been a car company because well they're the world's most valuable car manufacturer so I'm not sure I get what he's meaning and that they haven't run gambit but. I would chalk it up to, it's a changing environment, you know. Even a, even like something like a car company doesn't need to be the same thing that it always has been, you know. Right. Well, so and I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. What what he said. And, and um, electric, the uh, blog for electric vehicles and alternative transport in general, mm-hmm. um, you know, <laughs> I think uh, I think they hit it well on the head as a kind of a sum up. Um, thanks Toyota. I didn't know that I had recipes in my driveway. I thought I had Tesla's, but, um, yeah, very, yeah. very interesting. Definitely. It's, there, it's worth checking out. I think there is merit said there, there's I, definitely I, merit. And maybe yeah. at some point in the future, um, on a deep we dive, we'll, more into stuff like yeah, that, yeah, we'll talk about like the whole Toyota Tesla co-branded, um, uh, factory. Well, not co-branded factory, but they, not co-branded, but they sold the factory in 
exchange for shares of the company and then they sold their shares for less profit than they would have now and i think that's part of where this is coming from but we can dive deeper into that um yeah. at a later time so it was interesting where, where some of them bring it up and def i mean I'll, I'll say it flat out i don't agree with the comments so you know I, uh, I I think that it's a changing landscape for everything, obviously, and I like I'm liking I'm like I, I like the disruption of the market Tesla's doing. Um, so no matter what you can say, good or bad about them, so I uh, I'm Team Tesla, I guess you could say. <laughs> and I personally see nothing wrong with competition in the market. I think it drives yeah. innovation. So time to unseat some of the big guys that have been there for. <laughs> That's always fun to yeah. see. All right. Well, with that, with that uh, you know, just again, again, congratulations to uh, you know Chase, Chase Elliott. Another congratulations, though. Moving on into the you know chat here to Mercedes on their seventh consecutive constructors championship. You know, Hamilton uh, with, with the race was it last week, two weeks ago. It was, it was last week at Imola. Last week? Oh, you're right. Last. I'm thinking last race to the to next week's race is two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. The last week's race. He won. I think it's all mathematically impossible for Mercedes not to win, right? So, a very well deserved congratulations to them. I think maybe another thing to dive deeper into, with uh, maybe even a, you know, pump the brakes on, is Mercedes in general and the, just the technical prowess of their car, uh, their team, their management. Just they are an incredible, incredible representation in F1. So we might, you could even spend an entire, you know session talking about them but again well deserving congratulations to them and along the lines of mercedes i'm sure we've been seeing the discussions on the salary caps with f1 and also i'm seeing articles everywhere a potential hamilton retirement i mean yeah so so big camp wants to maybe open well and and we've seen hamilton becoming less of a race car driver or an f1 driver and more of a i don't want to call it a political head but he's obviously very supportive of his political beliefs out in the open while racing Mm -hmm. he's kind of becoming a bit of an off-track fashion icon with his pink burberry suit and his english bulldog (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i believe it's an english bulldog correct me if i'm wrong but um, it's a bulldog of some kind. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, that whole it it's been very interesting, and you know, he's hit ninety three wins. If Istanbul goes the way, and the Turkish Grand Prix goes the way that every other race this season has honestly <laughs> gone, um, every other race period, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't finish the season at at least 95 total wins and over i think i believe at imola he also passed 5,000 laps led the only person that mm-hmm. he has left to pass on that is also michael schumacher um at 5190 some somewhere in that range so yep it would be it's, it's interesting i see I don't know. It's I, I I would be. I don't want to see him retire. I I can't. You know, along the lines of the salary negotiations, it it is a, a legitimate. Even though there's grandfather rules in place, and you know, for for those who have contracts like Verstappen that go to 2023, you know, for, I think he's got like what 25 million, uh, guaranteed in his contract through 23. 
and those those things are being you know accounted for and, and kept in the negotiations i mean for all we know it could be a you know a negotiation tactic um i think he and seb are the two top paid drivers in f1 right now and arguably seb isn't achieving the results that he you know should be for we you know different topic to talk about maybe not today yeah but that said i mean in addition it helps you know i i am at least at this point in favor of the salary caps to try to bring down the cost of f1 you know, gets maybe some new entrants in there. In addition, you know, COVID's affected the entire world, and you know, Mercedes in general as a company has taken a huge financial hit, and it's still like a lot of everybody, frankly, I think, recovering from that. So I don't know. Um, but then again, you you can't. In his defense, you can't say that this, this would be a potential giant pay cut for him. You know, and I don't know. It, it's I would hate to see him go, and you know, as a general blanket statement, but. I also would say that I, for many reasons, I don't think I'd be surprised given all of the, the chatter I'm, I'm seeing on the topic. So we'll have to see, I think, as more things, you know, come out and, and there's more deep dives by people who are far smarter than we are in all things, you know, motor and F1 related. But it's, I don't know, I, I think, you know, again, blanket statement, I'd hate to see him go, but we'll see how things shape up. It's definitely, first I heard about it, I was shocked. And the more I look into it, it's starting to make more logical sense. But still, I think a surprise, potentially. But we'll see how it shapes out, right? Right, exactly. So, well, <clears throat> moving on down, let's see. Uh, do you want to hit the? You want to hit talk about Yamaha first? You want to talk about Kevin Harvick next? Um, I think. Well, let's discuss Kevin Harvick. Um, that okay. the whole situation, uh, and obviously, again, you're oh, you're the bigger Thank NASCAR fan. But I'll I'll paint the general picture here. Okay. So Kevin Harvick is a obviously a NASCAR driver and a nine-time yeah extremely talented as shown by his nine wins uh, this, this season. This season, yet and not, Nas- not to mention, I may interject. It's not only the nine. It's not only that he had was it nine for the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series. Those nine race wins. He's also had, in addition to those. He's had 20 top five finishes 20 in this season alone yes okay so he's so clearly he's a very talented driver there is absolutely no reason for people to believe that they are not you know in in his team that they are not a top four team mm-hmm. yet nascar has decided to cut him from the championships he did not race for the championship in phoenix because he when they raced it, well, I'm I'm trying to find out quite Martinsville. Uh, yeah, there was the incident in Martinsville, which but they, after his performance there, they eliminated. He was eliminated from you know contention, despite all the overall success he's had this year, and arguably you know Chase Elliott who won, you know was well deserved. I would also say that I think like a lot of other NASCAR drivers or even just in general with the statistics. I mean, that's just insane, right? I mean, well, to have that kind of career success and then to have that immediately shut down over, from what I'm gathering, is essentially in the world of NASCAR a minor incident. Um, yep. You know, and and I know I don't want to attribute this to the wrong person, but I believe it was Jeff Gordon who mm-hmm. was asked about this situation and basically said 
you know, we're past the days of uh, a Dale Earnhardt Sr. win or a Richard Petty-style just complete domination. However, to see someone who was so successful in in the modern version of the sport, to have that kind of pulled away is ridiculous and i think that was echoed by a lot of current drivers team owners and former drivers Mm -hmm. i mean even mario andretti quotes here uh yeah i'll read some quotes here if you don't mind you said you know jeff gordon quote wow i knew martinsville speedway would would bring drama sorry i was thinking dramatic drama as a cutoff to the championship but never anticipated what i just witnessed denny hamlin I think they deserve to be in. They've got nine wins. Not a person on the planet who would say they're not a top four team. They wanted a game seven moment. My only issue is you can't ignore the first eight innings. Martin Truex Jr., that's insane. (laughs) Straight to the point. Kurt Busch, I never fathomed that outcome. Never expected the four to have the trouble he had. It shows you how tough it really is. And maybe finally Kenny Wallace, when NASCAR decided to change our sport they made it so we can never compare to the past it's so i think it's so different nascar now yeah the days of how the old drivers even gordon to win is gone and i don't know i i don't agree i I think it was crazy i think it was insane and he definitely deserved to at least be in contention for you know the championship but i guess it is what it is at this point right Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of interesting calls this year um, with Formula Electric not going back to in-person with, um, I mean, everything that was surrounding NASCAR to begin with coming back to stand, you know, uh, having spectators in the stands. We've seen interesting decisions out of F1, F2, and F3 this year. Um, Of all of those... This one is the one that just doesn't make sense to me. Yep. But but it makes sense to them, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, along, along, maybe along those same threads doesn't really make sense to me, but makes sense to them in, in, a, in a way. And I think is the, 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 Moto, uh, the MotoGP um, Yamaha engines issue. And I'll, I'll tee that up for, for us here. Essentially, it seems like for those who don't know, um, Yamaha P mo- motorcycle racing. Um, Yamaha is a, a one of theirs, and they there was a fault in their engine with their um, what was it? It was the uh, valves. The other yeah, valves and those not being supplied by Yamaha, I think, failed or were deemed dangerous or something. And Yamaha I, my, deemed the deemed them deemed them Jesus, um, de- uh, deemed them to be unsafe however it was more of a performance gain uh issue with the the valves were burning up mm-hmm. and but chief of my wish they weren't supplied by yamaha there's by a secondary supplier correct and, and from oh, it, from what i've read they were initially supposed to use supplier a they were testing supplier b they built the first round of engines with supplier b but then came back and began building. Yep. Um, they were engines. replacing it without permission, essentially. And I think they were they were repl- they were going. I think they were. It sounded like from what I was reading that they were through the process to legally change to supplier A, 
from the failing B, and then they just didn't, and then they t- they changed the stuff. Period. They and it seemed one like they were argue, trying to do it quietly. Yeah, exactly. Then... And one could argue that even if it makes your engine safer or how even it was supposed to be, you know, at the start of the season, I mean, I'll make the argument that that's in any way that that's cheating. I mean, like you're altering your engine mid-season. I mean, well, that's and, cheating. and burning valves is not a safety issue. It's yeah. a it's a great way to get a lot of DNFs in a season, mm-hmm. but it's not. If it was an exploding valve or it was blowing chunks <laughs> of carbon thing, they, and, and aluminum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was not. And in stark contrast to NASCAR's decision, maybe, you know, I don't agree with that. I agree with, I don't know the governing body of MotoGP, but I agree with the decision essentially. Drivers were not penalized, but Yamaha as a manufacturer and teams that run their engines were dealt with uh, penalty points. I think. Yamaha was given a total of what fifty penalty or, or, or reduction of fifty points, and they weren't given penalty. They were they were had points taken away from them. Um, so, I I agree with the steps that were taken. One interesting take, you know, if the drivers should have been had points taken away from them because right, and one well, and honestly, I don't have an opinion on it because one argument was they were not to, to lay in, to belay any question points were not taken away from drivers and the argument is well this isn't their fault they aren't responsible for the quality of the engines on which the motorcycles they're riding right it's it's the team and the team for which they drive that's that's their responsibility so why should they have points taken away from them right but the argument comes in where let's say we come to the end of the season and these drivers are barely ahead of other drivers who don't have these engines the argument can make they should have had points taken away from them because of this issue and thus that might change who be who were the top who was the top you know champion driver or drivers season right but the other side of that coin is what if points were or if they keep changing things are taken away from drivers because of this supplier issue from yamaha what if that costs a, a, a fantastic driver by just you know a little bit of, a little a small number of points at the end of the season and then you could argue well, they didn't. It's not their fault. So they lost out on the season after a fantastic performance for something that wasn't their fault. And I don't really have an opinion either way when it comes to the drivers. I, yeah, I, I agree with the decision made from the manufacturer and even so much for a team end because they're responsible for, again, in my opinion, what goes into the, you know, that's, their, that's part of their equipment, right? Like any other professional sports team or anything else. Yeah, and, and, and the governing body is the FIM, very much like the FIA with Formula One. But I I think in their discussion, I mean, they put in to, a, a notice to the FIM mm-hmm. about them taking these changes into effect, calling it a safety thing. But in the process, they ratted themselves out yep. um, and, and created the controversy there, which... They're claiming there was no performance gain. However, other drivers on the field and what even else would you do? well, what else would you do? And also, you know, the the rules came down to as long as there was no performance gain, and that the, the big thing was the seals on those motors. They have to be sealed when put into a bike, 
and remains sealed for the duration of the race to show that nobody's changing parts out. And the seals on the updated motors were never broken. Other uh, teams, other constructors, I believe uh, Honda and Ducati, both raised the idea that, well, the seals have to be broken if they're changing this. And technically, the motors were illegal, but they were never modified. So it, it's a it, lot of gray area. It, there's a lot of gray area there. I still there's... agree with the ultimate decision, though. I mean, I agree with the ultimate decision. I definitely don't think it should be down to the drivers yeah. uh, or, or the riders at this point, because while while a rider should know what's going on with his bike at the mm-hmm. same time, one could argue that's ultimately. How if Yamaha wasn't telling their teams that they made the change, which it seems like they weren't, they just were handed new motors and power units. How is anybody supposed to know that there was a change made when all of a sudden your bike has the performance of a 1200 CC motor? (laughs) You know, it's uh, it's interesting. And I said something that we're we're, we're trying to, I guess, branch out and and make note of of things outside Formula One and other places. So definitely, uh, definitely interesting but maybe we return uh, maybe we pump the brakes a little bit here now and return back to something a little bit more uh, more on on brand for us or maybe something <laughs> maybe something we reference in episodes and that being uh well not f1 i guess but porsche <laughs> yeah por- porsche so we wanted to take this episode to kind of dive into to porsche we we discussed it in the last episode actually getting deeper into uh matt and i's background with porsche and why we have the bias and i would i, I would be admit that didn't think it might even it might even have been the reference that didn't think it would come so soon but something happened something was uh maybe something was released that you know kind of forced our hand and by porsche and rather not a something was released but a two somethings was uh, released. A, a duet In their own terminology, um, and in my personal opinion, one of the most beautiful duets uh, to ever grace my eyes. I was telling Nick before this that the only (laughs) word that I could think for the marketing of the Creed, the product from both organizations, the only word that comes to my mind is, quite frankly, perfect. (laughs) And and, and to stop the... um, the, the inevitable comments that just get to the point. We're discussing uh, Porsche's duet with Embraer private jets, business jets. Um, Porsche being my ultimate car love. Well, um, both. <laughs> but in addition to that, Embraer being uh, probably the pinnacle uh, and the most popular business jet. And for those of you who don't know, I am both an aviation nerd and a car nerd. And to see these two come together in such beautiful harmony as they have with this duet. Uh, it's perfect. It made my week, uh, quite honestly. <laughs> uh, in, in seeing the release on, was it Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday? After the for those again who don't know we're based here in the united states with the turbulent week that we've had that we will not touch politically 
Yes. Um, <laughs> to say the least. It's nice I, to have something to lift your spirits a little. It was a very calming day the, when yep. Portia released the pictures and Embraer released their initial video of their duet. And I, I, I keep calling it a duet because that is what they're, the terminology oh. they're using. It It's a business partnership. It's a limited run of both uh, the Embraer, uh, I believe it's the, uh, I'll get the exact models here. It's definitely a Porsche 911 Turbo S in a custom livery with oh, custom, okay. I mean, cu- custom down to the, the bolts. Nine are already you know, if, right. if, if you guys, uh, if, you, if you'd like one, reach out to Porsche or Embraer. I think it's what, a cool 10, 10 million for the package deal? Uh, it was somewhere in that range, yes. I would uh, echo Nick. I'd say that myself as well. Uh, Porsche is the pinnacle of my my car, and as car nerd and butting uh, aviation nerd, <laughs> um, I, I, as Nick mentioned last podcast, for me it's primarily been things on water, and I've always loved the sky. But I'm, that those are are quickly uh, shifting to more of an aviation nerd than anything. Yes. Now, uh, I, now on, on, I just want to make note on top of the 911 uh, Turbo S, and th- this is a 992 911 Turbo S. Yeah. So the the true pinnacle of where Porsche has been in their their full production line. Uh, this is also uh, a partnership with a matching liveried Embraer. Uh, it is the Phenom. 300e now for those of you who don't know and matt if you don't mind me educating mm-hmm. the phenom 300e is the fastest and most commercially available i will say uh business jet that can be flown by a single pilot so it is it is so single pilot is, rated really a perfect match for porsche being i would say one of the most popular and uh, i wouldn't maybe not the fastest but you know or maybe the fastest most widely commercially available because what what's faster than, than the 9929 supercars so the, and stuff like that but they're not widely available you know yeah the, you can go to a dealership and write a check quite honestly the the 911 turbo s is i would say it's the fastest vehicle that you could just go to a dealership and buy that's yeah. on the road today um, with, and I'm not talking strictly zero to 60 times. I'm talking overall package. Oh yeah. Overall package. It is, it is the pinnacle yeah. of where um, everybody has been trying to reach for a while. Needless it's, to say, we love the nine, nine. <laughs> well, and I, I will dive into this in a moment, but I've personally yeah. driven a 992, not the Turbo S, but a 992, just a standard Carrera 4 on, or I'm sorry, the Carrera S, not the 4, uh, on a closed racetrack at high speeds. And I can tell you from personal experience that it is an amazing, amazing feat of engineering, and they've done brilliant things with that car over time. Yep. Um, <clears throat> however... Maybe uh, we get into our, our personal stories of, you know, why Porsche. <laughs> well, I, let, let's talk about Porsche in general first, and we'll, we'll capstone it with... With that? You want to capstone it? I would, I would capstone it. Not, not set the scene. 
no um i i I say let's capstone with the stories um my my personal take would be let's discuss the news about portia and then discuss why we're just so obsessed well i will then i want to hit uh something that i think along the lines of of the 9-11 something that is very well received by you and i and uh in an interview with oh i forgot his name but portia high up the i think recently it was talked about that the portia 911 will not be going all electric for quite a while and i am very happy yes thank goodness not 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 that that wouldn't be a good thing in some ways you know and, and there are several hybrid hypercars there is even some all electric hypercar supercars and you know f1 i mean it would you know i think there's definitely a, a time and a place for that to happen i just don't want it to happen yet not <laughs> to the 911 not to the 911 they leave the 911 alone <laughs> there's enough change going on in the world <laughs> well it, exactly and and take a look at the Titan. i mean clearly exactly <laughs> the they, the Titan and the Titan turbo the uh, quite yeah, honestly there's, there's an... they they even have what they have a hybrid uh... Well, the nine nineteen, yeah, it, it, they they've got enough itself. basically, especially in an in that they have a fully electric car. I, I mean, I would say that there's you know a, even a hybrid nine eleven. There would, I mean, definitely be performance gains there, right? At at some cost. Yeah, but what to wait? But well, that would kind of negate some one of the things it's known for with its cornering ability. I mean, and and just overall. Well, and and the nice thing that you can do with a with an electric powertrain or a, even a hybrid powertrain, as we've seen with the Taycan and even the Cayenne, um, or or more specifically, another car that I have real life experience with, is the extremely long named Panamera, <laughs> um, which is uh, yeah, you wanna. It, I'll give you the next five minutes to recite the name. <laughs> it it uh, yeah. So I actually have to pull it off the the Hot Wheels that I have of it off the wall so that I can get this correct. It is the Porsche Panamera Turbo SE Hybrid Sport Turismo. <laughs> Which feel free to take a breather after that one. <laughs> yeah. Um. It is. Uh. It's a name. It's a very long name. Uh. But it's a well-earned name because each one of those things really does stand out in that vehicle. Um, I have been, I did not drive that specific Panamera. However, mm-hmm. I was driven in that specific Panamera, taking corners at Road America at above 100 miles an hour while the driver, a former uh, Le Mans driver for Porsche, uh, was pointing out places where he's seen accidents happen before as we were taking turns at over 100 <laughs> miles an hour. Like uh, it was nothing, right? <laughs> like, like it was nothing, and a huge piece of that is the the low center of gravity that mm-hmm. the yep. the Panamera has in that hybrid powertrain. Well, I think you were telling me too that you know the, the hybrid powertrain and just the way that the different systems are married together, and the Panamera is a big heavy car to begin with, right? It's uh, it's an executive car, I I would argue, it, and I see a lot of them around, you know, carrying families around or or, or you know businessmen. 
but the fact that the way that they were able to marry those two systems together you're telling me was incredibly and how nimble it was for what it was well even even just the panamera gts that i did get to drive was the only time it really felt heavy was after immediately driving the 911 the 992 911 to Uh getting in the panamera just the overall braking the car definitely felt heavier uh for those of you who want to take a look um I'm specifically talking about when we were coming through the the back straight on Road America uh, in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. Um, Coming up to Canada Corner. We had a professional driver in front of us in a 992-911. And we were running... We were in the 992-911S and the Panamera GTS. So... Initially, we got in, uh, and I did this with my brother, who I mentioned on the last podcast, and shout out to him for for actually promoting the podcast for us on YouTube, which was extremely uh, kind of him, and I appreciate that. Um, Ditto over here. Him and I went, uh, and he does have a video on his channel um, specifically about that Porsche experience um, and that day that we spent at Road America, but we... um, we, we got to drive the Panamera and the 911 back-to-back. And that 911 felt, and just being an S model, just felt really planted, really solid, and really safe above 100 miles an hour. I've never really felt safe in a car above 100 miles an hour before. Mm-hmm. Uh, That'll the, be a theme for me as well, I think, later on. Um, but this definitely um, felt that way. The Panamera GTS felt heavy coming into that last braking zone that last heavy braking zone and we had to take mm-hmm. the car from above 140 miles an hour to you know roughly 45 to 50 to come around that real sharp turn at Canada Corner um the car that handled that turn the best i would say was the uh hybrid sport turismo the the Panamera with the very, very long name. And part of that, I'm sure, is because a qualified Porsche driver who has been driving race cars his entire life was driving the car with us in it. Maybe just a little bit. <laughs> but I also, the weight distribution of that car, minus the four adults, um, really was, I, I feel it, it's... Well, it got slight. Well it, it's it it's over engineered to the best possible degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, and to that point, I mean, yeah, like there there would be definite benefits to it in a nine eleven. I think we both agree. Not yet. <laughs> Don't mess not, with it just yet. Not yet. If you want, if you <laughs> if you want an all electric nine eleven, it well s. It's the closest you're going to get. The Taycan Turbo would be probably the closest you're going to get. It's not going to be a 911. Well, 100%. But it's going to be a badass car in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, you know. And it, the fact that it can, you know, kill. I mean, we just talked about Tesla, too. And with the with the Taycan, I have I've liked the Taycan since it came out. Taycan, or Taycan, 
Taikan, Taikan, I'm not sure how you pronounce Ta- that final Taken or Taikan is Taken, typically... Um, whatever. The badass all-electric sedan from Tesla. Uh, or not, sorry, not Tesla. Wow, see, Porsche, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I, I, you know, let's say that, that Tesla's, their, you know, performance models and their ludicrous mode and all, like, that's just, like, they're cool. And I, I love watching, you know, Tesla's videos on YouTube and, and in real life sometimes just like just smoking cars with the with you know into the performance mode the performance models with all the all the torque from the electric powertrain i mean it's just great to watch right however i was watching a video reading an article like last week where the and seeing the Titan smoke the tesla perform the current tesla performance model which you know given my affinity for porsche i was very happy and then or, or uh, Tesla came out with a software update or whatever, however they do it, called, what was it, the Cheetah Mode or something like that? And it sounded like it provided some extra horsepower and speed, you know, past 80 miles an hour. It also lowered the front suspension and changed the, damp- the, the dampers to basically give it the best, most stable platform for, you know, off the line for the model. And I was reading and watching the video, and like, whether it was from a stop, from a complete dead stop or a rolling start, and, you know the it was helped it be better matched the Taycan, but in the end the Taycan still overtook the Tesla, which has kind of been the king of, in my opinion, of drag races recently. Well, so and and the Taycan is selling so much it's better. Hotcakes. It, I mean, yeah, it's it's insanely expensive. But it's also a Porsche, where when you buy a Porsche, you get an engine and four wheels, and maybe if you're lucky, you get driver's seat and four doors, and everything <laughs> else is optional. Well, so, well, I'm surprised I think you can paint the car. <laughs> well, and, and quite honestly, even the the Taycan, in comparison to other, to get the performance that the Taycan has, in a uh, another vehicle that could match that you would have to jump up to the hyper-electric car level, which doesn't fully exist yet. Yeah, unless you're talking about, like, what, the Rimac? Rimac would be... And then you're not getting... I mean, that's electric hypercar. That's the perform... You know, that's above, I think, performance levels of the Taycan. But the closest thing to the Taycan... It's the closest performance-wise, and quite honestly, there's... you can't get that. I mean, for a myriad of reasons, assuming you're not Richard Hammond, you don't drive it off the side of a cliff. So, yes, um, <laughs> you know, and what the the next thing closest, I guess, in the market would be something like the nine eighteen Spider. Yeah, but if you're talking about electric, I mean, and I think that's where we need to stay. Well, you know, again, we're being happy about the. Yeah, if you're talking about other like hybrid powertrains, yes. But if you're talking about a low electric powertrain, a, a fully a fully electric powertrain that's not only a daily driver but a monster machine as far as it comes to performance, your two the options thing are is the Tesla performance. Yeah, you, you, know, you, you either have the you have the Model S performance, or you have the Taycan and Taycan Turbo, and quite honestly, yeah. if you're going to be buying a Taycan, why would you buy anything but the Turbo? If you can't afford it. 
isn't it north of 175 grand or something like um which at that point quick. at that point so here, here's an interesting query you pull up the numbers i'm pretty sure that top end Titan turbo s or Titan Tur- i don't know if there's an s on or not but would you go top end Titan turbo or probably not yet top top end 911 but middle of the road towards top end for sure 911 for the same money which would you choose you know purely just to have in the garage right now or are we talking nick you there yeah Seems that Nick's... So I'm not sure if he's here still with us. Oh, seems like he just popped back in. Nick, are you with us again? Well, sorry about that, folks. Apparently my microphone decided to disconnect from all of my platforms at the same time. Uh, or still... <laughs> Still new to the podcasting game, so. <laughs> um, no, uh, so we we were talking about specifically the, you know, where Titan. would we sit as far as a, which one would you get, top end nine eleven or a top end Tykan? Well, no, not specifically. I think you know we were talking about a, a Tykan could. Or not taken a a nine eleven could kind of top out anywhere no no matter all the options and different you know paint and whatever else you could do but I was, I, what i'm i'm guessing or, or i'm i'm guesstimating is you know a top end taken turbo is what like one hundred seventy five or taken turbo s whatever the heck it's called right the the taken turbo s uh begins at one hundred and seventy nine thousand dollars u s oh it begins so yes. never mind so if you know probably north you know around two hundred the and the turbo money... begins at one fifty and then the uh standard four s begins at one oh nine again that's u s oh, for the same you know for the same money it's obviously a lot of money, right? Which one would you rather have, though? I'll now, for me personally, as someone who enjoys going on longer drives, while the Tycan's very much capable of it, um, right now I would take a 911 over the Tycan, okay. but give it a couple years and that might change. I rather not surprisingly am in the same opinion as, as Nick knows and for the, for the listeners. I think even for both of us, driving has always been, for me, not a point A to point B, four engines or four engines, four wheels and an engine kind of thing. I relax while driving. As long as I'm not in, say, you know, bumper to bumper rush hour traffic 24-7. Sure. And for the same reasons, if I want to go to a long drive, not that they both could go to the track on, you know, on the off weekend. But thinking about the places that I usually drive or even regularly or once in a while, you know, long distance, I'd have to agree, you know, and just pure, you know, petrol head current day, you know, oil, oil, you know, what was like Jeremy Clarkson, he likes, I think other, you know, top tier episodes, he likes, you know, his car is not, doesn't like electric, right? He wants to be 
you know, churning through like a baby, a, a dead baby dinosaur right? <laughs> or something like something along those lines. It, I mean, I, 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 I kind of like shock that. Me. I kind of like that mantra, you know. Um, but like, I think you made an interesting point. Give it a few years. Get you know, given the next generation of the, or next edition, next redesign of, see what they change, you know, in the Taikan, and uh, an expanded market, battery technology. I very well think that that would, that that would change too. Um, it's close, but I'm still leaning. 9-11 well and and for me it would be the same way and i think that in and of itself is the perfect segue into talking about our histories and you me understand you know and, and me talking about my history with porsche will kind of lead you to understand where i'm coming from when i say that i would take a 9-11 over a tycan right now um there's mm-hmm. a lot of nostalgia that i have with the 9-11 well, then why don't I, I, I hit mine, because you mentioned kind of, you know, hones into why, my, why I have the respect for Porsche. And then I'll segue into yours. How about that? That works for me. Well, then along those lines, you had made mention the uh, talking about when you were at, at Road America and doing the testing or, or, or the, you got the experience, to, to the Porsche experience, right, to, to drive multiple models. And you've never felt safer in what was it a nine? I said a nine eleven, you know, above a hundred. Well, both the nine eleven and the uh, the Panamera well, GTS. Could that be just Porsche in general? Right? It, it well, yeah, their entire lineup. We we were at high speed in the entire lineup. Well, not so well, much yeah, the Cayenne. The Cayenne and Macan were were street speeds. Oh, that's right. You guys had a street. Port. Yeah, yeah, so we actually went out and drove the old Road America course, and and, and I'll discuss this more. And, and obviously, you can also go watch Zach's well, video on, on the shooting cars. To that point, along YouTube those lines, channel. that's that is kind of the foundation of my love. I think I, I would say well, I was about we were actually talking about this beforehand. I was about eight years old when I, you know, was first let's say introduced to Porsche. With uh, I had traveled out to California to visit my aunt and uncle from what I could have been out there previously, but you know at that point I would have been too young to remember. This is the first time I actually remembered going out there to California in San Diego, and uh, <laughs> I remember my I didn't know I didn't realize at the time car guy less, less so than you know myself and, and you Nick, but you you know about him. He had an M, uh, M, old M3, and I forget what year, what you know, what model. I didn't pay much attention to BMW at that point, but he had a pre-2008 986 Porsche Boxer convertible. In what, what did we, what did we actually discover? What, what was that gray? Uh, it was seal, the seal gray metallic? Seal gray metallic. Yep. So, for the you know, along the reason, one of the reasons why Nick and I, love the you know, the. The, the the duet between Embraer and Porsche uh, is the, the the livery of of the car and then the jet is blue and and gray. It seems like I'm always chasing after a certain color of gray, and it's and that pretty much is the seal gray metallic from that Porsche that pre 2008. I'm gonna guess. I don't know the proper year, but pre pre 2008 986. 
It was a convertible. I never saw it with the top up, but frankly, it looked better with the top down from pictures I've seen growing as I got older. And I, I'll never forget that as like an eight-year-old, you know, you know, car bedroom or be- bedroom like car pictures, you know, I had, a, I had what well, I think a, my it was a Ferrari and a, a Corvette at the time, you know, for the attainable and the, the dream car and the attainable, right? Porsches didn't really register on my radar that year. And to be honest, they didn't look, you know, like, an, I, I think, you know, an, an eight-year-old's bedroom wall car, you know? And arguably, you could make, they look, they look, they have handsome styling, I always have, but not flashy, you know? That would draw your eyes for an eight-year-old. So I don't know much about them. And I'll never forget going down, it wasn't the PCH, the Pacific you know, Coast Highway, for those who aren't in the U.S. I'll never forget going down a, a normal you know, California highway and, and street roads and how stable the car was, even at eight years old, riding in, you know, two-seater, right? Riding in the front seat, not really supposed to be that young, but we did anyway. And whether it was going down street roads and clearly a, a, a performance-capable sports car or going over you know, 120 down this highway with the top open, it wasn't the looks that got me, like a lot, I think a lot of brands. It was the experience. The fact that, like you experienced, Nick, going around in, in, the, in general Porsches in, during that day and you know, kind of in your, in your background as well, it's the engineering. It's the stability. It's the completeness of the package, the over-engineering of the car, and just how safe and normal it felt. Normal. It felt normal to go be going 120 miles an hour down the highway. And better than I felt going 45 in, like I say, a Chevy Malibu. And that just blew my mind. The sound of the engine. Everything just sounded and felt right. So when I'm talking about Porsche, not only do I think that they look great, you know, my favorite being the 918 or, or even the 992, 911. They're beautiful. But even besides that, it's just the engineering and the attention to detail and the fact that, to me, they have been in all the, the benchmark to which other auto brands or, or, or models, cars and drum, whatever, is com- com- are compared to, you know? I've never felt like I did riding and then later in my life driving the same Porsche than I have in anything else. So that's that still stayed today, you know? Absolutely. And so my my Porsche background goes much <laughs> deeper than that. Um my love for Porsche and the brand and the crest and the engineering behind it has been long manufactured in my head since before I was born. Um, and I believe possibly at the time I was born, maybe before then, I don't even think I know this. (laughs) Um, my uncle, very, (laughs) very similar to your story, which doesn't shock me. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) being that we've joked in the past, uh, ever since we met each other in college, that we're the same person in different skin. And Um, our families are incredible. It's, it's honestly scary how how similar our yeah. families are. <laughs> it um <laughs> it's it's very interesting. Uh my uncle had a 993 911. 
and I believe he got rid of that either the year of or the year after I was born. Um, But there, just to kind of show you, there was kind of a, a German car streak because he also had a, I believe it was an E36 M3 or might have been an E30 well, that's BMW M3. Well, I don't know what what specifics on my uncle's. He has that's similar. Yeah, <laughs> little little too uncanny. Yes, and and for those listening, Matt does not know the story. We did not talk about this before. No, I swear, so, I swear we don't. So the, this is Matt's genuine reaction to my story. Versa. This this is something I I will I full heartedly admit that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I believe his was a, his M3 was a convertible. No, you know oh. what? I don't know if he had an M3. He might have had just the top of the line 3 series. But he had a con- he had a convertible 3 series and that we'll light and that like light uh, I think enough. it's Laguna Seca blue. Oh. But his so he had the 911. Uh, come 1999 2000 I believe possibly 2001. Uh I was right around five years old. We had a PlayStation 1, gray brick, and I had the game Need for Speed Porsche Unleashed. Had a had the bright silver metallic boxer on the cover flying off the, the street top in <laughs> San Francisco, nonetheless. Um, and I remember playing that game and playing Need for Speed... I believe it was high stakes that also had a silver 911 uh, 993 on the cover and generally loving the Porsches and kind of getting to know the crest. Uh, Then my tastes made a horrible turn when I turned uh, seven years old and I'm not really sure why. Uh, And I decided that I wanted a Volkswagen Beetle for a little while. Um, so still within the same manufacturer family, although I'm not sure, I'm actually not sure of, and I should know this, but I'm not sure when Porsche became a part of the Volkswagen family, but either way, like I had a weird obsession with bugs. I had a weird obsession with Ford focuses for a little while. Uh, and then we met, uh, my family met a guy that moved to town. He was a young, uh, president of a bank that had started up it was a hometown bank small time two branches um one in our hometown another in their main branch uh, a couple miles away in a, in a separate town um but a very interesting guy um his name was brian schultz and he kind of became my role model um i would say idol but he was also like, weirdly, like a big brother and a best friend to me. Got me into my love of Notre Dame football, uh, which is not nearly as strong as the uh, re-instilled love of Porsche that he gave me. Uh, because it was during the Summer Olympics. I can't remember where. It was football season. I was getting ready to go into... 
fourth grade, I believe. I was in third grade, going into fourth grade. And football practice came to an end. I remember I was playing for the Saints in our junior football league, and we were awful. Uh, And I turn around, and it went minivan, 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 random midnight blue 996 Carrera, (laughs) minivan, 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 truck, minivan, whatever. And I just remember everybody turning around and looking and going, who's here in the Porsche? And, like, who's got the fancy blue sports car? And you knew who. (laughs) I knew. I knew who. Because I had only seen the car once before, and it was parked in front of my house when Brian had come over for dinner. And Brian loved to come over for dinner, especially during the Summer Olympics, because he did not own a TV himself, but he really did love to watch beach volleyball. Women's beach, beach volleyball, to be exact. So I remember walking over and wondering why Brian was picking me up and it was while he was in the area and my parents had said hey Nick's at football practice and you know he is gonna need a ride home or we need to go get him and Brian's like oh no I'll go pick him up and I remember walking to the front of the car and putting my pads my like sweaty pads in the front trunk of his 996 Carrera hopping in the passenger seat of the, it was the the darker tan interior, leather, mm-hmm. and it was a six speed. And I remember him just peeling out of that parking lot, and driving me home, through like the only slight. And I, when I say hilly, I'm not talking about like a tale of a dragon hills or mountain road. I'm I'm talking like little dips and valleys. It, I think I know the place you're talking about over there. Yeah, it's in Illinois. There's not a ton of hills and dips and valleys. (laughs) But we're coming down the road, and we're coming back up, and I just remember saying, like, you know, oh, one day I want to learn how to drive stick. And I looked over at him, and and obviously he was driving stick, and he goes, it's not that hard, and maybe one day I'll I'll let you drive this. And my eyes lit up. And I remember we, we pulled up in front of the house. I got all my stuff out. We had dinner. He watched beach volleyball. He almost spilled chili in my mom's new car. And then we decided to go out for a little spin in the Porsche. Because I was obsessed with it. And it was a brand new Porsche. And we, we go out. We sit down. And he just immediately peels off and starts doing donuts in our cul-de-sac. And I'm in the back seat with my legs all crunched up my brother's in the back seat with his legs all crunched up and my mom's in the passenger seat my dad's still working at the time and he is literally just donuts in in our cul-de-sac and my mom has the death grip i can't remember if it was on his leg or his shoulder and she's screaming brian our neighbors are gonna kill us they've seen headlights come through their living room 15 times and he he just goes ah no it's fine i everybody loves when Porsches do donuts and you know this silly things wrong. he was 27 or 28 at the time he was a young guy very wealthy very well off in life and very very smart very smart he was a rocket scientist for Boeing for part of his life oh so he's just so a extremely extremely intelligent person <laughs> yeah. and 
and he was a good he was a, a good soul. And unfortunately, what happened to him is he was killed by a drunk driver on New Year's Eve um, of of two thousand or New Year's Day of two thousand five, um, and uh, uh, somewhere out there that nine nine six still exists. I think his friend managed to take it after his passing. Um, but I, I will always remember in that nine, nine, six, we were going fishing one day and I don't know why or, you know, no, we had my mom's car, but Brian was driving it. And I remember we got stuck with traffic in a lane that wasn't a turn lane. And when the green arrow came on, mind you, my mother's car at the time was a 2004 Chrysler Pacifica base model. Um, elegant car for Chrysler being that it was technically a Mercedes, but, um, well, in every sense of the word, it was Mercedes. Really. The only thing that was actually developed by Chrysler was the clock and the dash. I was just going to um, say the dash clock, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Uh, it, it was a, in an, every sense of the term, it was a Mercedes. Um, and I just remember him punching the throttle, turning that corner, and my mom again looking over at him and going, "Brian, what is wrong with you?" And he goes, "Well, every turn lane's a, or every lane's a turn lane in a Porsche. You just have to be fast enough." <laughs> and all of this, I mean, I I watched him. We would walk back and forth through downtown. He lived at just outside of the downtown area where where I grew up. And I remember he. I threw him a football and he was backpedaling and he saw out of the corner of his eye that he was about to basically fall over the hood of his Porsche. And he literally jumped the hood to catch the football. And it it just over and over in my mind, I I can only ever think about that, that midnight blue 996 and how much, how great it sounded, how much it reminds me of Brian. And I have a model of it. Uh-huh. sitting on my shelf literally within centimeters of where I can reach right now. Um, so I actually have two of them. One of, one of them is one of those little, uh, you remember those old uh, toy cars that you push the button and it would sound like it's starting up and then you push another oh, button and it would yeah. drive forward. I've got one of those and then sitting next to it is an actual Porsche model from the dealership. Um, not it's a Porsche design model of the car. Same color, same rims, same interior. The only thing is the one that I have is the turbo. I don't have the standard uh-huh. Carrera, but I would say for this, the same one of uh, my uncle's, I went through a phase where I don't have like, I can like the clutter. I went through a literature phase. I would go into the, like the, this, my specific connection to Porsche, my uncle's car. I have unopened, uh, or rather sealed literature from the Porsche dealership in California that uh, I will never open until I, I frankly I don't think I'll ever open so much like you have the die caps or and, and the uh, the model I still I had the literature safely tucked away never I had two copies one that I opened and one that I did to make sure one stays pristine so I, I feel almost I'm, I'm jealous so well <laughs> you you've got you've got such a you know familial connection to the man and the car oh it, and it goes and deeper it, it, it was around often though it was like I'm, I'm over here hearing this story you know everybody and thinking 
I, I wish I could have. I, I wish I was that close. My my connection to Porsche, I had to fly to California to go see. So I didn't get to see it that often, like maybe once a year. Well, and then, so so it gets even deeper than that. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, so, let's go. Let's so a, after Brian, after Brian was killed, and I never saw that blue 996 ever again. Couple, Which I, I'd say, uh, you know, if, if we could take a quick sec here, ladies and gentlemen, please do not. I've it, yeah. uh, you never know what's going to happen, and even the smallest amount of uh, of alcohol is, is too much. So make sure, yeah, if you do go out, don't do it responsibly, please don't drink and drive. Um, I, I, I can't, I can't explain enough. Um, just a little is already too much. Don't you don't, yeah, don't think it, that you can do it. Worst case, have someone. There's no shame in having drive you home and come in to pick up your automobile the next morning. And and I'll, it. also a, a note for me personally, because to tell to tell the Brian story briefly, and the story's been told many many times over um, in the years since his passing. But really, um, also take into consideration when you drink and drive it's not just affecting you and mm-hmm. whoever you might hit um yep. brian had been drinking that night and decided to take a cab and did the right thing um but him and the cab driver were both um uh, well both unfortunately lost their lives in that accident um by someone who was just absolutely annihilated um, mm. However, like you said, the smallest amount of alcohol really can make the difference. It's um, too much. Yeah, so we, keeping in that storyline, mm-hmm. I remember not too long after Brian's passing, there was a video game that came out, and video games were a large part of my teenage years. Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing that I, I will make note is I am a huge, as well as Matt, James Bond fan. And uh, the unfortunate passing of Sean Connery <laughs> this week was another damper on, yeah. on our on my week. Um, however, uh, one of the, one of the games that came out and I cannot for the life of me remember the name. Um, it was a completely fictionalized James Bond video game that starred Pierce Brosnan as James Bond. Um, but the main car in the game was a maroon Porsche Cayenne. Was that game Nightfire? It was not Nightfire. I, it I was know, I know the car in the game. You're... Oh, it, it I I can tell you exactly who the Bond girl was in the game and I can tell you exactly which model Cayenne was in the game. Um oh, it's um cuz I I believe oh, the everything or nothing. It could have been. Quite honestly, I, I know that one of the final levels ended up taking place in either Louisiana or Florida, and there was a long chase sequence on a motorcycle with guns. I just but, pulled it up online, and I think it looks like a Porsche Cayenne, maroon Porsche Cayenne Turbo. Yeah. And it's, yep. uh, it, this is, the, the title of the article is James Bond 007 Everything or Nothing Review. Yeah, it's and gotta be that game. It, it has to be. Um, cause I, I remember specifically that, that maroon <laughs> Cayenne, I, I, and me thinking how cool it was that Bond was driving a Porsche. 
mm-hmm. because normally he always drives Aston Martins or in the time that I was you know alive at the time and the movies were coming out he was driving BMWs um no, but, so yeah I, I would agree along the lines that it's cool to see something you know unique with Bond because like I said he's known for what Omega watches always quote unquote but if you actually do a little bit of research not always there, there was a in terms of the watches a little bit of BMW <laughs> Porsche here and there in terms of the cars. Well, and and, and specifically in the video games, it seemed that Porsche made this big stance. And obviously, I can't imagine the amount of money that Porsche paid to have the Cayenne Turbo be front and center in that. However, well, especially back then, because they weren't well, always the. No, Por- Porsche, Porsche put a lot of forward momentum behind the Cayenne release. Because I remember the the video game came out before the Cayenne was even for sale i believe i believe i believe it was part of the debut was that it was in this james bond video game that played like right. a movie and i remember trying to figure out i was trying to get models of the car because i i always collected models of the things and, and trinkets and things of the the cars and and yeah. yeah the cars and planes that i've been passionate about i've got you know the md11 models and you know Porsche models galore uh anything that I've ever I always like finding the they're probably all lost for, for me a little bit similar to you Nick is that I I didn't so much like I tried to find the ones that I could build they're probably all broken or right now I never took very good care of them but along the same lines I tried to build them because I just like you know putting them on display in my room on, on my shelves when I was a kid well yeah and it, it was it was kind of like my version of a vision board. Mm-hmm, um, but uh, so I, I remember playing that game and driving. I don't know why I remember this, but Serena St. Germain uh, through the streets of some, I believe it was Peru in the game. Um, and, and I just remember how cool it was that Bond was driving a Porsche. And then I also remember getting heat from my friends because they're like, he's driving a mom car. And I'm like, SUVs aren't mom cars. They're cool because you can hide more gadgets in them. And I vehemently defended Bond using the Cayenne in that game uh, from my friends who were at the time obsessed with the Lamborghinis. The Murcielago was just yeah. in the, um, at the time, the, the Reventon was just a concept that was coming out. And the Sesto Elemento, as far as yeah. the the change from the Gallardo to the, the Huracan. Mm-hmm. Um, in that time frame, and I remember, I I remember slightly being obsessed with the Reventon because the release of it was next to the F twenty two Raptor. Um, don't don't even get me started. Oh, I, I I know that that's that's a, another topic for yet another time, <laughs> but um, I always kept coming back to that Porsche, and then I ended up just falling in love with the Cayenne. And I think most of that was because Bond had driven it in a video game. But I I fell in love, and I followed the Cayenne through all of its iterations. Um, even we, are you, are you starting to poke at the poke at, if, poke at even me with that? In, no not yet. <laughs> we'll get to that point. Um, I think he's trying to poke at me with, with something specific. On the we'll guy. we'll we'll discuss that towards <laughs> the end of my Porsche story as it sits right now. But um, so. In junior high, I know I ended up drawing 
the entire at the time the entire Porsche lineup, which was the Cayenne, the Carrera, the um, Panamera, Ca- the Cayman. No, there there was no Panamera yet. It was not the Cayman, the, the Cayman, and the Boxster. Yeah, not not even the first ugly version. It. I want to say that that was two thousand. 2008 is when I signed that because I have that photo hanging or not that photo that drawing that I did hanging in my oh. bedroom um, and I signed it on uh, today in 2008 oh, nice. uh, I had I signed it 11 8 2008 so, so funny enough like 12 years ago to the day 12 years ago to the day I drew the entire Porsche lineup from scratch and um it took me forever. I think I might have traced the the horse in the center of the crest, but other than that, everything else I had I remember doing specifically by hand. Um, so I had, uh, you know, obviously going back to then, I have that. I've got other little Porsche things. I, again, obsessed with the Cayenne. Then the Panamera came out, and I hated it. I think everybody really oh, hated everybody the looks did. of the original Panamera. Um, in fact, it was, uh, I'll call it lovingly called the pancake amongst me and my friends. Mm-hmm. Because it was hideous and it looked like someone had taken a 911 and flattened it and stretched it out. Yep. Um, and it was, I, thought it was, I thought it was like someone taking a Cayenne and a... And a, a well, a nine eleven, and making like the worst parts of each of the models, and then combining them together. Yeah, the design on it was awful. Um, it really was. Now that being said, um, that I still followed Porsche through that. Mm-hmm. I from about two thousand twelve to, I would say right up until about two thousand seventeen. I became very obsessed with the Japanese domestic market. Um, my quote-unquote attainable dream car became the GTR, like most people's did when that car came out. Um, I can happily say mine did not. It, yeah, and I, I followed some of the trends. I was big into the Fast and Furious type scene. I had a, a Mazda Speed 3 that I you know had blacked out headlights and taillights which by the way please never ever smoke your taillights it is the dumbest thing (laughs) it might look great on your car but uh, trust me from experience in a snowstorm it is not fun to potentially almost get rear-ended every time you hit your brakes because someone can't see your brake lights um not me personally almost being rear-ended in that car um, that car suffered a, a terminal uh, catastrophic. Mo- catastrophic motor explosion where the piston literally came out of the side of the, the aluminum block because um, I, it, ca- it came down to a mixture of two things. I was kind of being an idiot, I'll be honest, um, in trying to just get the engine revved up a little bit, but I wasn't, I wasn't bouncing the rev limiter on it, mm-hmm. uh, but... I definitely was trying to show off a little bit to a Corvette that was next to me leaving cars and coffee. Um, but then on top of that, there was also a um, factory defect in the motor, in, in the actual cylinder head that went unnoticed until we found the cylinder head and Mazda took a look at everything. And we're like, yeah, 
you probably shouldn't have pushed this car. And they're like, you were going how fast on the way here? And it didn't blow up. And then you hit 15 miles an hour going over some train tracks and that jarred it just the right way that it blew the piston out the side of the the block. I don't know if that's lucky or terrible luck. (laughs) Well, it, it was lucky in the place that I ended up getting stranded Mm-hmm. But uh, not, not I. I f- for those of you listening, I got stranded two blocks away from Michael Jordan's house, um, in the suburbs of Chicago. So, uh, n- not the worst place to be stuck in, um, especially since sure. the lady came outside uh, to offer my friend and I Voss water straight from the fridge on a very hot summer day. Which, to uh, to those of you who are also unaware Voss water is a um artisan it's a it's a it's a luxury artisan water um it's fantastic to me it's fantastic in taste and you're probably going wait water and yes just water tastes different non-sponsored by the way but yes so um however if Voss ever wanted to sponsor us i would (laughs) gladly take that sponsorship um now that being said uh, so I, I remember getting stranded there, but one of the things I saw at that show was someone had shown up in a brand, brand new GT3 from the, I want to say it was the beginning of the 992 era, not the, um, or I'm sorry, not the 992, the uh, 991.2 yeah, era, um, or it was actually no, you know what? I'm I apologize. It was the end of the nine nine seven. I know era. the car you're talking about because oddly enough, I you know did not have as much connection you know or or, or I guess rather the word or the phrase would be uh, not maybe not connection but time on with Porsche. Like I said, my my connection to Porsche was literally across the you know continental U.S. and hours once a year plane ride away but i know the car i'm talking about because that's what started really because they brought it more close to home because i used to go to car show on here with uh, the 66 uh convertible mustang and similarly it wasn't cars and coffee i think you said right but i saw i think what you're, what you're talking same not not same car but same model car and i just fell in love with it i really really did and yeah, so this so it was a nine nine seven GT three RS in that bright electric green, <laughs> and I remember just absolutely loving that car. I spent like hours talking to the the owner who was doing something with his life that I wanted to do, which was being a commercial airline pilot. Did you get to sit in the car? I my mine was theme like Twilight Gray so much. I was a dark metallic. The one that you know, I can't remember his name. I got I have pictures with him and all that, you know, somewhere in my computer logged away. Did you get to similarly talk to him and find out what he did and like you know that kind of stuff? But did you get to like did you let you sit in the car? Like I can't let me sit in the car. I didn't get to drive. So that for riding it afterwards too. Oh. That time I did not get to sit in it. Oh, the man. following month, it's getting to ride. Oh, so, so the cars and coffee around here transfers between two cities that are fairly good distance away from each other. 
mm-hmm. but it brings different crowds to each. Um, unfortunately, and for reasons of people doing burnouts and being stupid, they don't do it in um, the one location where I had the Mazda blow up on me uh, oh. anymore. However, it does go between um, uh, Barrington, Illinois, and Bolingbrook, Illinois now. Um, cycles between those those two locations, but they've always kind of done it at the Bolingbrook Promenade, mm-hmm. um, and the Bolingbrook location was. I remember pulling up there. My my Mazda was gone at this point. I remember pulling up there in our '98 Ram pickup because that was the only car left, and. I he had just pulled in. It was him, and he had there was a uh, bright orange, and I want to say it was sunburst orange, but I'm not a hundred percent certain. I think, yeah. I know but but there was the electric green, and there was the uh-huh. bright orange, and they parked right next to each other. Those are the two most obnoxious colors. Well, until the sky the best. until the sky blue with orange accents showed up. Oh dear God! And that, so, that actually, I usually love the obnoxious stuff. That I did not like at all. Yeah, I was not a fan of that one. However, I did get to sit in the orange one. So okay. the so I was talking to the guy with the electric green again, and he had come down from the old location, and he was kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, there's a couple of us down here that have the, the GT3 RSs, and here's this lineup, and oh, this guy, I'm sure will let you sit in his. And I remember getting into it, and it was the first year they put Alcantara in. Mm. And so he had the Alcantara steering wheel with the big orange line for dead center, the, you know, on the racing wheel. And I remember sitting in it, and he let did me rev it up it? a little. Oh, God, I loved it. I see. I I didn't. I When I got to, interestingly enough, when I got to sit in the, the gentleman's on the car, it wasn't car, again, cars and coppers, a car show. I that was my first experience with Alcantara, and I to this day I'm I'm slowly turning towards it. On I don't like, let's say I don't like, like non, when the Alcantara touch surfaces like not yeah. steering wheels and seats with like headliners and dashes and so on. I remember I getting out of that car. I did not like Alcantara. I, I point blank at the time like I didn't like Alcantara. The so. My mom's new car, right now she's got a 2018 Mazda CX-5. That one's got kind of a weird mix of Alcantara lined by leather uh, throughout. Not the dashboard. The dashboard, I believe, is leather. But it's like the driver's seat in her car. I actually don't mind it. I think it's a little more comfortable to have in the center of the seat. But the... The crushed velvet-looking Alcantara from a couple years ago, when oh, Alcantara was first coming in, that was hideous. Yeah, it was hideous. Yep. I'm gonna so. ask this question for the, the 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 people. One thing I've noticed that I remember back to is there were two Porsches, and and Nick, you know that I had think, you know, I have a different opinion, both good for the you know GT models versus the standard. And I remember going to that car show, and it was a GT3, and then a, a, this, um, a 911, a little bit like a year older, but of the same, of, of the previous generation, I think. And for some reason, 
the it, the people struck me differently. Too. The one the the, the the guy who owned the the nine eleven was very standoffish. You know, just kind of didn't answer a whole lot of questions. You know, didn't really care because I was I was a kid. I was still a kid, right? You know, you know, like what I think it was like around high school or like middle school ish type, and. It was just it wasn't a good experience, and then you have the guy who I think arguably got the more expensive car, for example, right? And the other guy might have been more like your typical Porsche owner, potentially a stereotypical you know Porsche nine eleven owner, in my opinion. But the other guy was like, you know, like his car was a Ford Focus, brand new car, same as what you you know what you were dealing, with, but let me sit in it, took me you know answered any question I had, even took me afterwards. For a ride just around like, like downtown streets, and it was insane. And he didn't have to. And I don't know. I don't know if you had the same experience, but I think I feel like maybe similar to to your, you know, the person who bought, obviously, who, you know, the kind of person who got you into Porsche and kept you in for the entire course of, you know, frankly, it sounds like your entire life. You know, it it, it really comes down to the, the people can have the bigger effect than maybe even the car. Because I don't know, frankly, had I had the other, had they all stereotypical Porsche, you know, owner, you know, I still probably would have been stuck in the mind of, I only get to see a Porsche really once a year and drive a Porsche once a year, you know, kind of idea. Sure. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you had the same experience, but I, I, that's one of the things that stuck out to me is this: you would think that he had no inclination with how expensive his car was, and I knew what it was, obviously, but he treated it like a Ford Focus in the best way, where. It wasn't well, anything and, and that's, untouchable. And know, that's exactly what kid. the guy said when I when I walked over to him and the, and the guy that had the electric green said, hey, mm-hmm. go over and talk to him. I'm sure he'll let you sit in his. Um, yeah. When it I totally walked over changes. and I, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, I, I was talking to this guy. I met him at the last one. It, would it at all be possible for me to just sit? And he goes, absolutely. And he opened the door for me and he goes, your butt isn't going to do anything more than mine is. Yep. And I sat in it and I revved it up a little bit. And <laughs> the sound of a turbocharged flat. Well, actually the GT3 RS at the time was not turbocharged, but mm-hmm. the, the but... sound of that flat six just is amazing and will always give me goosebumps. I wish I got. I I did. I should have asked if I could turn. If I could start it up and rev it. Like again, I got to riding it, but I'm sure that that's an experience that even just getting it, it, like in a parking lot, you know, stationary, getting a, oh, getting a rev it. Yeah, and and I had had that experience once before with the the Nissan GTR community. Oh, the, okay. Someone offered me the, the keys to his GTR just to rev it up and and not to move it, but. Because so I had that with the Corvette community too. I was a, I was a, a Headwaters Corvette show, and it was right when the I think it was two thousand six, right when the the sixth generation of the Corvette, you know, entire redesign, like first one. And the guy tossed me the keys to his brand, like brand new, a week, black, you know, Corvette. Same experience that it sounds like you had with the GTR community. Ah, that's well, and that's. So, I had that experience, again, but it, it always, it, Porsche kind of, for that period of time, was always just in the back of my head. I always thought they were cool, but they didn't stick out to me. Yeah, um, I, I would agree to that, too. But I, I, mean, I, it, I it probably comes down to the styling, though. Like, if you don't, 
kind of like like what one my main. If you don't know what to appreciate in it, you're going to default to the looks and the kind of the 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 looks it gets. And Porsches aren't crazy looking, right? So it kind of falls if you don't understand it. It's you don't appreciate it or respect the behind right. the scenes. Yeah, and and at the, the time they time. had the Carrera GT, and there was a guy who had a Carrera GT there, and well, there was a guy but who would showed you up argue with a, that while that's a great car. I've never felt like when you put a, a you know a Carrera GT even up against a Ferrari or a Lamborghini of the time period, it's the Carrera GT still looked. So more, it was subdued. Not that's the word. Yes, yeah, subdued. So, yeah. So I, I I totally get what you're talking about. So to to prevent us from going just absolutely too long, I will cu- <laughs> I will cut ahead a little bit. Kind of stay in the back of my mind until, and I have remained a member of the the Porsche Club in North America, just as a mm-hmm. spectator member. Um, and the Midwest District put out a a notice and kind of call to their members saying, "Hey, on uh, this day in August in 2019, uh, and at the time I was living in Wisconsin, and they said, hey." Porsche, the North America, the company, wants to bring our local members to a closed private session at Road America where we would get to drive their entire lineup. And I quickly said yes. And then also quickly turned around because they said you'd be able to film it and talk to my brother. And so mm-hmm. the two of us on, I want to say, uh, and I'm sure I could check the, the date on my pass because my pass to that experience event is also hanging up on my wall. It was the beginning of August. It could have been even the first of August. Um, but we went to Road America. It was shut down for the day for us to go and do whatever we wanted and whatever Porsche had designed. We checked in. We talked to. We had to sit through like almost a timeshare presentation from Delta Private Jets, uh, which is their corporate uh-huh. sponsor, um, not a sponsor of us. <laughs> and you know, after that, we had a chance to win like a year's worth of tickets on their thing if we put our name in and. Then we got to go out and look at the lineup, and we got grouped in, I believe it was Group A. Uh, so we went out first, and the, the first thing we did was drive the Macan and the Cayenne. Brand new models, and they took us around the old road course, which is now public streets for mm-hmm. Road America around Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. And, and, again, there's a video of all of this on Zach's YouTube channel. Um, look, look around the beginning of August of 2019 if you're trying to find it. It's the Porsche uh, experience. But we went out. We drove the Cayenne. We drove the Macan. I think the Macan still, to this day, has too many buttons. But <laughs> I just remember taking some of the curves in the Cayenne and the Macan and going, wow, this thing actually handles itself well. And these are base models. Um, Which one or both? I think the Cayenne was an S, but the Macan was a base model. Hmm. And I just remember sitting there and going, 
yeah, this is definitely a base model, but it feels pretty rock solid, especially with... But it's still a Porsche. Right, it's still a Porsche. And it was comfortable. Zach and I both drove it. We swapped out, got into the Macan, did basically the same route again, felt super comfortable, parked up, and then they walked us over to the the track where mm-hmm. they had lined up helmets. They had lined up these USB sticks that we all had to take. And they had lined up in alternating pattern 911 992-911 pre-release so it was some of the first production cars and we were mm-hmm. it, our group was the first group to drive the 992 on a racetrack in North America outside of the dealerships and the the performance folks so we were some of the first regular people to drive this car and they wanted our feedback, which is why we had to have USB sticks. And they took our telemetry data, and we got to keep a copy of the video. I think those videos are up on Zach's other channel, Shooting Laps. Um, but we went out, and I just remember them saying, does anybody here have actual racing experience? And Zach and I kind of raised our hands a little bit. And Zach's like, I've been wheel-to-wheel once, and I've been, I've been wheel-to-wheel once, and just amateur racing. And they're like, cool, you're going with the fast people. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> and they stuck us behind the, the nice. wheel of the, the 992. And I thought they were going to go, like, 75, 80 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had, we had an instructor in the lead car who – and we came to find out was a a professional Le Mans race car driver for Porsche. And he was giving us some instructions. And honestly, it felt like a Forza video game because the guy had a very thick British accent. Uh, (laughs) And I remember rounding that, the, the carousel and he's like, all right, we're coming up to this curve. We're going to use the kink uh, because we want the longest straightaway possible. So yeah. we come up to the kink and he's like, all right, punch it. And then he just took off. And That's I just, bad, I just remember going, okay, here we go. And I just jammed my foot as far into the floor as possible and just let the 992 take off. Oh man. And I've seen, I've, I've heard some of, I haven't heard all of this before, you know, to those of you listening, I've heard, you know, I'd say 60% of this is from the sound of it. And it's, I've seen the videos and it's just. Every time I just think, holy crap! Well, <laughs> it's it's goosebumps. It's yeah. it's an adrenaline rush unlike anything else that I've experienced, and I mean that honestly. It I would almost go as far as to say it is one of the greatest feelings I've ever had, if not the greatest feeling, is just letting that car go and do what it was meant to do. And these were these were nine nine two. Uh, Carrera S's. So, slightly upgraded performance. Brand new carbon ceramic brakes, which, by the way, if you're breaking in carbon ceramic brakes, it smells like tortilla chips. Uh, We all had the same complaint at the end of the day because they had just put brand new brakes on the cars. uh, Is that we all smelled like tortilla chips afterwards. Um, That's the carbon ceramics (laughs) breaking in. Uh, And... I mean, we we pushed it. There there is video footage of me in Zach's video, uh, 
in the Panamera GTS at over 150 miles an hour. And the most surprising thing was that the GTS, uh, the Panamera GTS, kept up with the 992. Now, obviously, the Turbo S, that's now... different than, you know, beating, but... Yeah, well, absolutely, and the Panamera... You also weren't trying the Turbo S, right? You were, I mean, I think even the shocking thing is you weren't... You would think that this kind of stuff, well, it might come from even even as a Porsche, the top-level Porsche, and it still wasn't. And that, well, that says something, right? Yeah, and at the time, there were only a couple models of the 992 available. There was the there was the, the base model, the S, the 4, the 4S, the Cabriolets, and I think the Turbo. Mm-hmm. Now there's the Turbo S, which obviously is the pinnacle of the non-race spec, or, or I call them Saturday shooters. Um, Saturday shooters. Going out to the track on Saturdays and racing ah, them. That makes sense. Um, showdowns are. I generally stick to the non, like you said, non racing. Showdowns, showdowns or shoot offs usually is what those events are called on Saturdays where you bring the track toy out and you mess around with it. Mm-hmm. In every sense of the word or every sense of the phrase, I agree with Jeremy Clarkson and. James May when they say that the GT3 RS is a 911 with no comfort and scaffolding in the back. It really is. <laughs> but to be able to do what I can't even fathom right now and I've driven the S on the track flat out I, to know what the Turbo S is capable of yet you still have all the luxury comforts and back seats mm-hmm. is incredible to me. Yeah, and that's why I think we we talked about this often at the auto shows. You know, if I had my choice, I might not be able to beat a GT3. You know, on the track with a 911 Turbo S, but I would absolutely take. Well, as it sits right now, you'd be able to. Well, but you know, at the very least, I'd be able to keep up with it, even you know, if not beat it. You know, maybe I, I think I think we actually looked at this, and it would be you'd be able to beat it in. Was I think one one would edge out in the corners, one would edge out in the straights. But that said, you like you said you still have all the comfort. Well, and when we were comparing, yeah, when we were comparing, we were comparing the nine nine one point twos. It's yeah. a different ball game now with the current turbo S's, and that's something. Yeah, it's closed the gap considerably. But you got to think, even if they're on an equal playing field, you know, like you're saying, like if, if you get the you know racing spec models, you get more than just the car you know in, in driver schools and blah blah right but at the same time you know if i had the choice to get just one or even two i would still get the 911 you know turbo s first because it could be a saturday shooter it could be you know if i wouldn't it, ever it do could it, be a weekend track car out, yeah but... you could leave it outside and be a daily driver i started up in the midwest winters or in the summers i mean it's, it's made to be what it is plus all of the comfort i mean yeah, oh it, it, it's it's a versatile and capable vehicle that is really the pinnacle of performance, in in my personal opinion. Now, I would agree. So we we go through the event. We they bring us out on the go kart track and drive. We drive the Caymans, the um, seven eighteen mm-hmm. Caymans. Had a blast doing that. Then they brought us back, and they put us in that Panamera, the extremely long named one that I'm not going to take back off the wall to read. Um, but the 
the Sport Turismo, the hybrid Sport Turismo. And feeling the gut punch of the all-wheel drive system and the electronics working together to create so much torque, it literally made my fingertips numb. And I'm not exaggerating, and I'm not saying that because I was excited. I literally felt my fing- the blood leave my fingertips, and when he hit the brakes the first time going into the that first corner, all of a sudden I had a blood rush back to my fingertips. And they got, like, that weird hot needly feeling. I was like, oh, okay, so we're literally playing with G-forces. I mean, that's the only other time I've ever felt that was in a small aircraft so and playing with g-forces and and things like that with with light aircraft but either way i remember leaving that day yeah i remember leaving that day with my love for porsche fully reinstated and in the highest degree it's ever been and since then it's been a little over a year now it hasn't stopped and the, the one thing I want to cap off with, and this is where Matt and I disagree, is that the auto show, the Chicago auto show this past, uh, well, this year, uh, right before the pandemic, thank goodness, because I'm glad we got to go. Become, became becoming a tradition for uh Has been a tradition for me, has, is becoming more and more of a guess, tradition I mean, for the two to, of us. I mean, to, yes, I, to, for me as well, but the going to actually together and, and yeah exactly. well because it, t- it typically falls on my birthday so yeah. it, it, usually we go for my birthday mm-hmm. um so that has always been kind of well, what i the... will say is, 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 to, to give a little background you were hot off you know going in here i think you were this high yeah so i me about it and and for those if you, if you need if you need any indication about to validity to what you're saying nick is that Nick just telling me and showing me this stuff and keeping me up to date through all of this reaffirmed my love for Porsche in perpetuity, let alone someone who actually went through it. So, well, exactly, and that's we, so... we're, we're both you know arguably on this Porsche coming into the auto show. Go kind of you know you know made sure to spend time there versus just walk well yeah, it. and we we spent I think out of all the booths. We spent the most time in the Porsche booth. We, we, we went, you remember, we, we went most time there and went back at, at least twice yes. on separate occasions. Yes, because we needed to take more pictures of whatever we were looking at. But, <laughs> and um, one of those things. <laughs> one, one of those things is the differences in the two models of Cayenne that are mm-hmm. currently available. There is a SUV and there is a Coupe. I mm-hmm. personally strongly dislike the rear end of the coupe. Now and I think that because of that Nixon because I love it. <laughs> and to each their own and I think that's what also makes Porsche a fantastic company is there is something for everyone. Um Well, you want to talk about a fantastic company. I mean, yes, I think uh you know, I'm willing what what's uh I don't know if if, if the boys quote unquote ever said the top gear boys, but other channels and other topics that I'm not going to bring up here, they, they say things to the effect of, and if it doesn't look cool, then what's the point after all, right? So my my, my point to the Cayenne is, you know, the Coupe SUV versus the, the standard SUV is I'm willing to sacrifice practicality and pay more, you know, sacrifice 
trunk or boot space for i think for our non-us you know in listeners here for cool because i think the coupe looks a lot cooler than the standard cayenne <laughs> spoiler literally beside we're not talking about that dirty little secret <laughs> the the thing that i always push well a, as of today because that doesn't count <laughs> as of today i've been pushing matt's buttons on the spoiler on the cayenne coupe because i that doesn't count <laughs> it does to me and it's hideous I'm ignoring and it's... it i would agree if it existed <laughs> it's hideous <laughs> okay loch ness monster um <laughs> Yeah, it, it is definitely, uh, I would say it is the number one thing that I can say, from, and, and to be realistic here, Porsche is not some god of a company. It, they True. have definitely made their mistakes. I think the 996 wasn't the best looking car in the world. Mm-hmm. I think, obviously, the Panamera originally was a hot pile of garbage. I personally don't like the Cayenne Coupe. However, if you have one, I would rather you have a Porsche than something else. Everyone um, can have an opinion, George. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so, here's the thing: you can bring up that spoiler all you want, wing, whatever you want to call it. I, you know, I'm not going to be seeing it. I just have to make sure that it's in your view and my rear view the entire time. So, well, <laughs> if it's in your rear view, that means you can see it, and you're going to be grossed out by it. That's but it. anyway. That's no, I, I probably crash and twist it, then you're right. Hey, make sure that I can't see it and you can see. It. I gotta stay in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, it, it's always something that I've learned is a sign of a good company is that you're able to adapt to whatever your customers are looking for. And, well, and maybe a no better sign of that would be them putting, you know, coming out with. I don't remember what generation it was, but if you, I think you pointed out to me the fact that you can have a. Like I think from Porsche, like a, a factory "quote unquote" radio with Apple CarPlay installed into an older model Porsche that has a yes, they did run that analog radio. I mean, how incredible is? That? I mean, I think dating back to the that. to the nineteen ninety seven models that you don't see that. Like, the, it's not just the cars, you know. It's not. It's not just well, and the, that's no matter how much you pay the various options and and driver schools and whatever. But it's even stuff like that, and in, even to your point. The kind of company they are, and yes, again, they're not. I think Nick's right; they're not God. It's just everyone has. There's no, there's no company that's perfect. Everybody has their ups and downs. I just think Porsche is unique. Porsche, Porsche is unique in a lot of ways. And then on top of that, something that I've learned is the sign of a good company is your ability to cover the entire market. So for the family going mom who doesn't necessarily really care about which car she's driving and she, she just can drive the ugly cayenne or the, or the <laughs> well you can get a cayenne if you've got you know dad who used to have a 911 and now has three kids and is reevaluating his life choices there's a panamera gts waiting for him true you know if you for the 27 need... year old banker who the take you know quote any lane is is a turn lane in a porsche if you go quick enough there's the 911 <laughs> there's the 911 and if you want something that's fast incredible and green not in color but in environmental status now they have the Taycan, or and they have the hybrids the hybrid selection of the panamera uh cayenne 
And if you want something that's still fun and, you know, getting yet afford, you know, a, a 911 or top level, like, like a, a Cayenne GTS or whatever, or top level Panamera, hey, then you can always go with what the, uh, the 718, you know, as well. The 718 or, or, and then if you want a track day car, you've got your choice of the Cayman GT4 Club Sport, you've got mm-hmm. the 911. You've got the GTS. You've got the. I mean. I mean, you. I mean, tech, one could argue with solid than you know the engineering of the. Keep going back to it. Technically, and, it, and if, if you just more fun than others, you could track the, any of those things and be fine. And if you want to be like the guy who lives about a mile down the road, and you just want to make everybody drool as they drive by, you could buy an electric green nine. Uh, 18 spider and just leave it in your driveway on summer days so there's so much that that brand and there are other brands that have that filling but to what extent and i think porsche does it all and does it the best out of anybody else right now Mm -hmm. Uh, they they service their their customers and and their quality well it is their benchmark to be compared you know to right even so much as you, know, you were saying before, you know, before we got on here, you can go back and, and how meticulous they are and over-engineered they are. Not just the cars, but the company, to where you could look up old, you know, factory codes and information dating back to God knows when online. Or well, you and can that's... look up in any Porsche model, you know, here and see all the factory codes and all the specifics on what that car has, and you don't see that a whole lot anywhere else. It's just the attention to detail, the quality, the over-engineering that sets them apart. In and it, it's over-engineering in the best possible way. It's and, not and It's not overbearing way. engineering. It's exactly. it's engineering to the tiniest detail in the best possible way. And they I think unique in a lot of ways, in unique over other manufacturers that are even similar or, you know, have, like you said, the same off. They just do it differently. And I'll argue, do it better. And I agree. And... If by chance, one, you're still listening to the podcast, thank you very much. <laughs> Two, if you are listening to the podcast and you happen to work in Porsche's marketing, uh, in their whether North America or in Germany, um, hello. Um, I'm going to okay. get real nervous here and tell you thank you. Uh, and you do such fantastic work because I very rarely see car companies or automotive manufacturers in general do the marketing work that Porsche does Mm -hmm. with their partnership on the, the duet with Embraer. Oh, much further. For that, the word is perfect, but there are, you know, and, and I think I'm, I think you'd agree, Nick, that, if you are, if any of those people do happen to listen to this at some point ever, it's one thing to be a car, a great car company and a great, you know, seller of cars in, in the same company or of anything, right? But oftentimes you see if they're great at cars, you know, they're not so great at marketing or they're really great at marketing because they're selling an inferior product and they don't focus so much on that, right? And maybe some, you know, lesser quality brands or maybe more run. And... And to kind of to, to kind of follow that that whole subtlety, it's not usually a big deal 
when a Porsche video comes out on YouTube because it's almost mm-hmm. daily. Uh, yeah. But I am subscribed and I do have my notifications turned on. <laughs> and I, there have been times, well, and, and their Twitch stream last year, I, I want to say it was about this time when they released the, the first livery look at the 99X and they had the interactive playthrough where people voted which way you went and you got to play the game and you got to unlock the 99X, their Formula E car, mm-hmm. through playing yeah. an interactive game on Twitch, was extremely fun, so well put together. And I, I just, I have to give my props to Porsche's marketing. You, time and time again, whether it's a small video, an update video, a video showing a guy making a phone call, and I believe this was on the German one, I had to translate it, um, making a phone call to the dealership and saying, hey, I need to bring in my, um, I think he said, Model 91. And they said, you mean 911? And he goes, no, Model 91. And they're like, oh, okay, we can take care of that. And it's all these people looking around, and they pull these books off the shelf, and they're dusting them off. And he pulls in in one of the original Porsche tractors. I and think they, I've seen that video. I, I, you made me think. I don't it, remember the card, but it's so. And the thing is, they still do have those manuals sitting on the shelf, and I know that because I just pulled up the entire color pattern from 1986, the color palette for the 911 and the Carrera models from. Yeah, I believe it was 1986 that I had just pulled well, I mean, I the names and colors. I you know I oddly enough the other day I was looking for for something to look at. I got curious and. I wasn't even going through old Porsche, you know, like like driver, you know, in videos on on YouTube that weren't weren't even made in the you know the current anywhere near the current date, but it still seemed relevant to today. So their marketing and the content that they are consistently putting out transcends even I'd say the time periods that they're doing it in, right? And I think the other day my my, my grandparents sent me a video in an email where much to the, like the tractor kind of thing, it was a uh, an old man and his son and as a surprise i don't remember the car but it was you know sit, sit, I, maybe it was fake maybe it was real maybe it was marketing if it was it was the stewardship that that porsche took of of this you know old man's car and his son getting it restored as a surprise that's what i think of when i think of porsche in, in another way where yeah they would you know help me restore my father's car to pristine that sat in a barn as a surprise because that's the kind of company they are and they'd make sure that it was to my and their exacting specifications just to make my father happy you know well like exactly so i could have been that was probably marketing but i mean it's just you don't see that from anybody else no and as much as I would love to continue this conversation, we are hitting almost the two-hour point of the podcast. We, probably we <laughs> yeah. For those of you who have made it this far, thank you for listening to us ramble. Thank you for hearing our passions. Uh, if you are from Porsche, please feel free to reach out to us <laughs> at, or, or if you're not from Porsche and you just want to reach out to us, please email us at podcast at redlineresorts.com. If, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for it, sticking with us. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> thanks for sticking with us. You can find us on social media. We're Redline Resorts uh, at Redline Resorts on, uh, I think, everything at this point. So, uh, again, you can email us either 
general info about Redline Resorts at info at redlineresorts.com, or you can send us an email specifically about the podcast topics you might want to cover. Um, anything along with that set uh, to or sent to podcast at redlineresorts.com. Again, that's podcast at redlineresorts.com. That is the checkered flag on this week. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. Please make sure to check out our social medias, emails. I'm Nick. That's Matt. And we will definitely see you next time.